here. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about the series we're in as we go through the study of John. We're breaking that down, and, and I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, this one's kind of just like where I've waited. It's called Tension, and uh, what we're doing is exploring in this section the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders and Jesus and the world, because the tension, Jesus is going to bring tension, right? Think about it in the world. I mean, it's, he is God in a world that rejects him. I mean, and that's, that's, that's going to bring tension. And as followers of Jesus, we're going to find ourselves in the same tension. And, and I want to do something a little different. Normally, I'll read a little bit and teach and read and teach and read and teach. And, but I want to do something so you get the entire context of what's happening. And it's, uh, I'm going to read to you John 9. So just settle in and I'll use my best reading voice. And uh, I'm going to read the entire passage and then we're going to come back because we need to see the whole thing. So we're going to bird's eye view and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of jump into it. It says, as he passed by, this is Jesus. As, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go and go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews for fear, uh, um, they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you're his disciples, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't, know, we don't know where he comes from. 
The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered him, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. I wanted you to get the entirety of the context because I want you to get a sense of the tension that's happening in the whole scene. A lot of times with scripture, we'll break it down into a passage or a few verses. But in that entirety of the chapter, the entire scene, you see the tension happening. And when Jesus steps in and how that becomes, it becomes real, it becomes tangible. I mean, in this chapter, we could sp- I could spend weeks and weeks and weeks unpacking so many spiritual truths in this one chapter alone, but I want us to spend this, this weekend understanding the tension. Now, let's understand what tension really is, right? The definition of tension is this. It's the act or state of being stretched or strained. Sounds painful, doesn't it? I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you how painful it is because I've been trying to stretch my hamstrings. And I, I've, I've learned that uh, I, I have lower back issues and my, my trainers say you stretch your hamstrings. When you stretch your hamstrings, that releases the pressure in your lower back. So I've been trying to become more flexible, not just in my muscles, but in all areas of my life, right? Um, so, but it's, it's, it's uh, my muscles get sore. The last thing you wanna do is stretch them. You know, so there's this, there's this tension and stretching. It means to subject something or someone to tension, subject, subject someone or something to, to stretching or straining for a specific purpose. A lot of times we associate stress with tension, right? We think of, we think of stress. Most of us spend our lives stressed out. You ask people, how you doing? I'm busy. You know, busy is now another code word for I'm stressed, because a lot of times when you say, hey, how you doing? If you go, I'm stressed, most people don't want to engage at the level of conversation to find out what the stress is about. They're like, oh, I'll pray for you, you know? You know but, but now we just say, how you doing? I'm busy. And we're like, oh yeah, everybody's busy. I think busy is the pandemic of, of the real world. And so we think stress is often a bad thing and, and we, we, we associate it with a negative context. But listen, stress isn't bad. Tension isn't bad. We need to feel some stress. We need to feel some tension. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually borrow um, a prop here. And uh, since um, I haven't asked, I'm just gonna be very careful with it. <laughs> I'm not gonna go smashing it, don't worry. But this guitar, I cannot make this guitar sound like the way the worship leaders do. I mean, I, I'm not skilled and trained enough to do it. I can, I can play a few chords and, and I, can, I can write a love song to Heather. But, um, um, but this guitar has strings on it and these strings have to have the right amount of tension on it. 
I mean, sometimes when the band's rehearsing, I'll just walk by and pretend like I'm turning this and their face is just like, you know, don't do that. You know, but if, if I were to, I mean, just here, I'm gonna try to just, just, see, that sounds pretty good. Like, I think I might start a new career here, you know? But if I were to take this tuning peg and increase the tension or decrease the tension, it's going to sound wrong. You know, can I do that? Can I do that? Okay, so here we go. Oh, that's, that's every worship leader needs a capo. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the worship leader stance. That's Adam. Love you, Adam. Okay, so listen to how beautiful this chord is. Like, it's nice, isn't it? Now, if I were to just kind of just turn that a little bit, listen to this. Kind of sounds off, doesn't it? Sounds like your Mondays, right? (laughs) You know, it sounds like every day. If I put too much on it, that's Friday afternoon. (laughs) You know? So what I'm getting at is we have to have the right amount of tension in our life. Our life has to be in tune. And, and so many times we think that, that stress is a negative thing. Think about your job, right? I mean, most of us, you know, have days where we like our job. Most of us have days where we don't like our job. But, but in, in context, we get stressed in our job because we feel too much tension, There's too much work to go around. They've gone through downsizing and layoffs or somebody left or somebody's on vacation and you pick up extra workload and that puts more tension on you and you're trying to manage everything in your schedule. Or or some of you, you go through seasons where your job is, you're, you're just bored. There's not enough tension and you get bored. And so then you spend your afternoons playing Candy Crush and looking at resumes, right? Or looking at job postings. And so we need, we need enough tension in our life for our life to be in tune. And that's exactly how God has designed us as humans in his image to feel the right amount of stress. And this translates, yes, in our jobs, in our families. There is tension in our families. I mean, you have too much tension and everybody's on edge. If you don't have enough tension, you can't get your kids to clean their room. So you create some tension around them. So I want to kind of get you out of the context that tension is always bad, but it's always real and it's always there and we always have to feel it. And I know a lot of people go, well, wait, 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 but didn't Jesus say something about that stress in Matthew chapter 11? I mean, when he said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, most of us will read that in the wrong context and we think, no, no, Jesus is supposed to give me rest and make my life easy and make my my days light and my burden light. You look at it for what's really being said, okay? Jesus said, come to me. So there's a source all who labor and are heavy laden. We who have too much tension on our life have a source to go to, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. See, a yoke, if you've, if you've never seen a yoke, a yoke is, a, is an agricultural implement that you would yoke two oxen together. And there would be two oxen in this yoke. The yoke was made of wood. The farmer would put the yoke on the two oxen and they would plow a field. And so what Jesus is saying is, I actually am putting something on you. Because when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, it doesn't mean we get away from Jesus putting something on us and we get away from carrying a burden. 
what Jesus is doing, and he says, I'm giving you a new attention. See, when we're, when we're so stressed out and the tension's so high, we read that, and we're like, yes, I need a rest. For most of us, it's a vacation, right? I go, go, go. I need a vacation. I need a weekend. And we come into a weekend or a vacation so exhausted. I remember when we planted the church, and, and, and the elders forced me to take a vacation because I was in go mode. And I spent the first several days of that vacation sick, because I had not cared for my rhythm of rest in my body and I had worn myself out. So when I finally stopped, my body said, we're gonna take care of this. We're gonna force some rest and you're gonna be sick. And I didn't get to enjoy the first few days of my vacation. And most of us spend our life in that cycle of too much tension and too much stress. And so what we do is we'll come to a verse like this and we start looking for an escape. Right, maybe, maybe on Friday afternoon or Monday morning, instead of looking at what you need to look at for your job, you're looking at uh, what, what fares are on sale and how do I get to a beach as quickly as possible? Because we're looking for the escape. And what Jesus is telling us, look, in the tension, we don't need an escape, we need new equipment. We need an exchange because the yoke that we've yoked ourselves is called busyness. The yoke that we put ourselves to is for success or status. It's really striving. And we inflict the more stress and tension on ourselves because of who and what we yoke ourselves to. What Jesus is saying, replace the equipment. Don't keep looking for the escape. Link up with me and I will take you into this life. But Jesus is saying, I will not remove all of the tension from you. Now let's go back to the blind man. I mean, there's tension around this blind man, right? I mean, because when you think about this idea of changing yokes, salvation is a changing of yokes. And so this blind man, you know, we see that he, he came to a salvation experience with Jesus. When Jesus said, do you believe in the son of man? It wasn't, do you believe in a prophet? Do you believe in a good guy? Do you believe in a teacher? Do you believe in a rabbi? Do you believe in the son of man who is Christ incarnate? And he said, how can I know him? He goes, you have seen him. This man was born blind and now he has seen him and he says, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. So it wasn't just that Jesus opened his eyes physically, he opened his eyes spiritually to see the son of man for who he is and he received the salvation experience. But this man had some tension, right? Because remember the question as he's sitting on the road begging and Jesus walks by and the disciples like, hey, Jesus, hey, who sinned? Was it that guy who sinned or was it his parents? And this wasn't just something that the disciples would have asked. This was a common thought and a common theme in their society and their culture that if you were born with an ailment, if you were born blind, that there was sin somewhere in your life. Either your parents sinned or somehow you sinned enough for God to punish you to be born blind. And it's amazing even today how we carry that stigma I mean, we look at somebody who's struggling and we think, oh, something must be going wrong. Let me challenge you. Sometimes the struggle becomes because we're doing something right. So this man sitting there, you know he's got to feel tension with people diagnosing his, his blindness. And, they, and the Pharisees remind him, you were born in utter sin. That's the truth. We are born into sin. But Jesus said, this isn't a sin issue. This is so the power, the works of God might be displayed in him. And so when Jesus 
healed this man. And it, I think there's even tension in the healing, y'all, right? Because so many of us, I mean, we've been praying for so many people and we've got, we've got a lot of ailments happening and we've been praying for healing and, and doing hospital visits and, and I'm praying for healing. And man, I, I pray, God, would you, just, would you just think the thought? Would you say the word? Would you snap? Just do it easy. But sometimes that process of healing is through the chemo. Sometimes that process of healing is through the, 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 the diet, the, 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 what is it, the prescription that needs to come for you. And God in his wisdom is the one who is leading all that anyway. This man, there was tension in his healing because think about it. He hears the comments being made and then all of a sudden he has mud being put on his eyes. If you come up and put mud on my eyes, that's gonna create some tension. And then Jesus, he tells him, go wash off. Okay, you know I'm blind. You gonna take me to the pool? But this man goes and then his eyes are open and I believe his eyes are open to a new tension. I believe his eyes are now open to a divine tension because when Jesus opens our eyes through salvation, he opens our eyes to the tension that we find ourselves in, that we live in. And this is, this is the tension of, of, of things, tension of sin, tension of religion, and tension of testimony. And those are the only three I'm gonna be able to cover this weekend. Like I said, I could spend weeks on just this. But we find ourselves in a tension, and I, I wanna stay in context with, with the man, but there's this tension of sin, right? Because as he's sitting there, he's hearing people ask the question, who sinned, him or his parents? I mean, if, if I were the guy, I would be like, it was probably my parents because they didn't even have my back when the religious leaders were asking about it. He's of age, ask him. You know, they were afraid that he's gonna get kicked, they're gonna get kicked out of the synagogue. We'll get to that in a second. But, but there's this tension of sin. And the reality is this, that, that we're born into sin. We're born into sin and it has a hold of us, but we don't yet feel the tension, listen to this, until our eyes are open to the truth. So often we'll go through life and we justify ourselves and say, well, that's not sin. I'm a good person. I'm not doing anything wrong. I mean, God wouldn't just send a person to hell, would he? And so we start to justify ourselves. But the reality is when Jesus comes into our space, when he steps into our space and he opens our eyes, our eyes become open to this tension that we now live in. Before we're saved, it's called conviction, that we get to that point where we see the mercy and the grace of Jesus is so powerful and so tangible and so palpable that we realize that we're unholy in his presence. Peter had that experience in the boat when we said, Jesus, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. Isaiah had that in the presence of God when he looked upon the presence of God and he says, I'm a dead man. I'm a man of unclean lips. We come to that point of realization where the tension hits a climax. And we realize that we are sinful and in need of the grace of God. And we believe in the Son of Man, the crucified, resurrected Jesus, because he is the only power that can free us from sin. But I believe that even, if, even in salvation, he has freed us from our eternal consequences of sin. We still live in this life. And as Christ followers, we still have a tension with sin. Should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? Paul would say, absolutely not. If, if that's our attitude in our heart, have our eyes even been opened to what we've been forgiven from? 
and, and who, has, who it is that has forgiven us. And so the tension that we find ourselves in with this sin is how to deal with it in our life because what happens is when we become saved, when we profess Jesus is Lord and he is our crucified, resurrected Savior and our life are all about worshiping him, we now have our eyes open to this tension and we're being stretched towards holiness. because he doesn't wanna leave us in the same situation. The guy got kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus finds out when he comes to the man. And he doesn't wanna leave them trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? So often we think that Christianity is creating converts, get people to say a prayer. And yes, that prayer of salvation is what saves us, but we can't leave people there because what's happened now is their eyes have been opened to this tension of truth and holiness and righteousness and the sin that we still fight. And Paul would tell us that's our flesh. We continue to fight that flesh. So the stretching towards holiness is is this process of fighting the flesh. It's what Paul says in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, when he says that that I have... um, been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm willing to stand up and fight the temptation. I'm willing to fight the flesh. I'm willing to fight my tendencies because because of this sin in my life. And the man's response was belief and worship and so now we fight sin. I, I, I think that this is going to be a kind of a sweeping statement, but, but sin is a way of worshiping ourselves or something else, right? Because sin is, is, is just robbing God of his due glory. And so we start fighting our selfish tendencies, I mean, if, 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 you are, if you are struggling and trying to crucify the flesh that is selfish, have a child. And the things you have to do, like bye-bye nap time. You don't even get a nap when they get a nap because now you're trying to clean all the mess that they created while they were awake and you just get some quiet while you're trying to clean. You know, so you, we, we are constantly fighting this selfishness inside of ourselves or, or where sin is worshiping something else other than God and that's idolatry. And we're called to, to put both of those and all of those things that create sin in our life to death. Paul says, we have been crucified with Christ. When Jesus laid his life down on the cross and he took on our penalty, our punishment and the wrath of God for our sin, that when we share in his salvation, we share in that crucifixion. And we're constantly in that tension of dying to myself. That's not an easy thing. It creates tension. And I would even say there's tension of sin, but also just tension of self and our self-desires because there are things that we justify that we, we may, they may not be sin, they, but they may not be something good for us. I mean, I'm living proof of that. I mean, I, I can stand here and tell you that I cannot outwork a bad diet because I will justify my bag of Cheetos because I spent an hour in the gym this morning. And that doesn't help me at all. Now I'm sore and guilty because I ate the whole bag. Don't judge me. 
It's not a small bag either. Now we're, <laughs> since we're in confession. <laughs> but we deal with that. So there's this tension of sin that he opens our eyes. Also the tension of religion. Now, now, now pay attention on this because Jesus came to establish a relationship. And Jesus will create tension in relationship versus religion. It's a different yoke. See, a lot of us, uh, the, the religious yoke would say this, you just need to try harder. If you'll follow the rules. You know, we put on a yoke and, and that yoke, what it ends up producing is guilt and the guilt produces more striving and the striving produces more tension and the tension produce, produces more exhaustion. And ultimately, we don't have the willpower to stay on any bandwagon that we're trying to strive under our own effort for. And so what we'll do is we'll start to find justification in ourselves and playing a role of religion and taking that yoke on us to think that's what makes me holier, that's what makes me righteous, or that's what makes me a good person. Like, well, I'm a good person, I go to church. There's just as many sinners in church as there is out of church, y'all. I mean, I'm a proof of that. I live in the tension. You know, just church attendance doesn't make us holy. I mean, go to the thief on the cross, right? When he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus didn't give them the list of rules. He didn't give them a list of to-dos. Well, you gotta go get baptized. You gotta, you gotta go, you, did you ever give? Because that, that's gonna determine a lot of things there, buddy. Um, did you serve? Did you show up to church? Did you show up faithfully? Now, I want you to show up to church faithfully. I mean, I want you to serve and I want you to give, unapologetically saying that. But that is not what makes us holy. It's the person and work of Christ on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us that declares us holy and out of that holiness and out of that righteousness and out of that sanctification and in that tension is where we serve, we give, we show up and we're part of the family and we're engaging. And we can reduce this down to this little religion that's just like showing up. And, and I, I would just say, ask yourself this, is my faith and relationship real or do I strive under my own yoke to break out by trying harder? If that's the case, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lay the striving down out of your own self-motivation and self-strength and take his equipment on you so that you strive in this relationship. See, a relationship changes everything. And one of our staff members got engaged this last week and we're, it's, just, it's, it's exciting, you know, and all that new. And then it, it goes back and like we were sharing with our kids last night, Heather and I's engagement story, you know, and, and uh, how all that happened. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like you see today where there wasn't any, there wasn't even internet when we got engaged. So there wasn't photographers and there wasn't socials of posting and everything. And, you know, it was just, I simply took her fishing and we sat on the tailgate of my pickup truck and I gave her a ring. Yeah, I'm gonna come on now. And I wouldn't do it on the dock because I was scared of it falling in the lake. And I was like, I paid way too much. I worked a lot of overtime and it ain't going down there, man. You know, I'd be going scuba diving. You know, I'll find that. But, but when you get engaged, it changes you, right? Relationship changes you. See, see I, 
I, even after almost 30 years of marriage, I still strive. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better man and the man that Heather needs because God gave me Heather for my sanctification. He gave Heather to me for her sanctification. And I want to strive in that. And so this motivation that I have is based off of love and relationship, not a book that says I have to love my wife and I have to provide for her and I have to do dishes and I have to do the laundry and I have to take care of the cars and I have to help with the kids and I have to do, no, no, no. All of those things don't become have tos, they become want tos because my motivation is my love for her. It's the same thing with Christ. Our worship to him is out of motivation to serve him because he first loved me and gave himself as a ransom for me. So therefore my life is not about me. It's all about him. This is not my, Matt's list of rules to better living. This is submitting ourselves into a relationship with a holy, loving, living God who wants us. And we constantly fight that tension because when God's not playing by our rules, we go back to striving to making him move. And so we find ourselves in this tension of relation, uh, religion versus relationship. And the last one is a tension of testimony. And this is where the rubber hits the road. This man got brought in to the religious leaders because his life was transformed by Jesus. Not Jesus the prophet, not Jesus the rabbi, the son of man, God incarnate, Jesus, who is God in the flesh. Fully man, fully God. He transformed his life. He didn't just open his eyes. He was brought in to give an account. And you know what I find interesting? This man was defending Jesus before he ever saw Jesus. All he knew at this point is a guy came by who I perceive as a prophet because he spit and made mud, which is gross. He put it on my eye, said to go wash. I went and washed. So, so I had to take a step of obedience in that. And I went and washed and my eyes were open and I can see. I've never seen in my life. And the religious leader's like, no, we don't believe that. We don't believe you were born blind. We don't believe, something, this, this didn't happen to you. You're making this up. And then they, start to, then they start really pounding him. You were born in utter sin and you would come to teach us and they kick him out. See, the game was, do I continue playing religion to stay in that little club? Because for fear of the Jews, if you profess Christ as Lord, they kicked you out. So do you wanna be part of a club, a social club that's, that's on some little path to self-righteousness or do you wanna live transformationally? That's the choice. Because God didn't call us to church to play religion. He called us to live a life that is transforming and has been transformed so that people, when people see that, they're gonna ask you questions. The man didn't go to the religious leaders like, I gotta tell y'all what happened. He didn't go around and say, you gotta hear this. No, 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 people notice the change. And they said, what's wrong? What's up? What's different? I think the tension and the testimony, testimony is just a story, Right? is what has Jesus done in your life and what is he doing right now? And the tension is when I'm asked about it, do I shut up or speak out? Because sometimes we get scared. Oh, I don't wanna say anything because then they're gonna ask me questions. Like, well, how do, how do you just, you believe Jesus is real? You believe all this Bible stuff? All I can tell you is he showed up in my life 
And he took the tension of striving. He took the tension. He showed me who I really am and who he really is. And yes, I believe him. And this is what he's done for me. And I can promise you this. He will do something in your life. Well, how? I don't know. All I know is he made mud, put it on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Why do you keep asking me this? Do you want to follow him too? So it's not about about fear, because we get so afraid, we start building tension in our testimony, self-imposed tension, because we're like, what if they ask me something I don't know? They're going to. if, If I could just like put my emails up on the screen and show you the questions I get, and I'm like, what? Huh? I don't even know what that is. So what do I do? Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the word. Let's get it in black and white, put our finger on the verse, and let's talk about it. That's all it is. People don't expect you to have all the answers. Listen to this. They expect you to be honest. And that's the tension of our testimony. A lot of times we get scared because when we start talking about what's happened in our life, people think we're Jesus freaks. How can you defend something you've never seen? He was sharing his experience before he saw him face to face. You know what? That's what I'm doing. I will share my story and I will proclaim the crucified and resurrected Savior, and I will defend him, and one day I will see him face to face. And I will fall down, and in his presence I will worship him. But what am I gonna do in the tension right now? I'm gonna keep living in it. I'm gonna keep striving. I'm gonna keep straining. I'm gonna let God stretch me because I know he's stretching me into who he knows I can be. And this, is, this will be, this will be my, my prayer and my mantra. It's Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and listen to this, and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we love you, and we, we love when you are in our space. And I'm asking you to open the eyes of the blind. I'm asking you to open eyes to trade out the yoke of striving and straining and self-justification for your yoke. I'm asking you, Jesus, to trade the tension that they're living in now for the tension that you bring when you open our eyes. I'm praying for salvation, Jesus. And I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to stretch us. Stretch us, mold us, form us. Use the tension in our life to make us look and act more like you. Stretch us to be stronger followers of you, Jesus. Stretch us to speak the truth of what you have done and are doing in our life. Stretch us to holiness. 
It's for your glory that I pray. Amen. I love you guys.